Genesis chapter number 17, verse number 4 through to verse number 7 is my assignment for this afternoon. Can we turn to Genesis chapter number 17, verse number 4 to 7? The Bible says that, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you. And kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your generations after you. Here ends the reading of his holy word. This afternoon, my assignment is entitled, Chosen to be a father of many nations. Chosen to be a father of many nations. And the question that I want us to look at is two questions. Why God chooses to bless a mere man with multitudes of descendants who will turn, who in turn be blessed? And why will God choose the boys and the men of this church and people under the sound of my voice to make them fathers of many nations? Hallelujah. Why God would choose. Why God would choose. Now, before I even go around or go ahead with my assignment for this afternoon, I want you all to understand one thing. That... Fatherhood is an endangered species. Fathers are an endangered species. Men are not endangered, but fathers are. Hallelujah. I am sure that if you went around the shops, you can easily miss Father's Day. But you cannot easily miss Mother's Day when it comes around. Because society and the world is marginalizing fathers. And there's a reason. Hallelujah. There's a reason why society is marginalizing fathers. And um, making fathers a hated group. In the home, the villain of the peace is the father. Hello? Hello? How many understand what I'm saying? If any and every one of us will share our stories about our family, or you're going to write, a, a, what do you do this call that? An essay. My family. If there's anybody who is a hated figure, it's your father. How many agree with what I'm saying? Give me a wave if it is true. And it is because of what, not necessarily what you have, what you have experienced by him, but most of the time it starts by what you have been told about him. Hello? 
I'm trying to take my time to set my foundation or set my canvas right before I paint the picture. Amen. Amen. Now, the first, the first curse that God released when Adam and Eve sinned, among many other things, was to eliminate the father. In Genesis chapter 3, the Bible says that, and God said to the woman, I will put an enmity. I'm waiting for you to put my verse up. I think it's 18. Oh, you don't have my notes. All right. Are you there? Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 says that, and I will put an enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. Now, all of us know culturally that when God comes to talk, he talks to the man. How many understand what I'm trying to say? Most of the time, by the culture of the day, God will speak to the man. Before this time, God had never spoken to Eve. It was always Abraham, Adam that God spoke to. Hallelujah. But when man ceded his authority and gave to the serpent by high treason, immediately the Bible says that when God came, he told Adam, you know, this is your punishment. But for the woman, he said that I'll put an enmity between you your seed. Did you see the scripture? Put the scripture back on. See that I'll put an enmity between what? Your seed and her seed. If the Bible you are using belongs to you, circle your seed and her seed. The reason why I want you to circle the seed is because women don't have seed. Women do not have seed. The seed is the progenitor which is embedded in the man. Are you following with me? The man is the one with the seed. What the woman has is an incubator that incubates the seed and gives birth to the seed. But when God came, God said, I'm going to put an enmity between your seed, talking to the woman, and the serpent talking to the devil. Where was the man? The man had been eliminated from there. Now, Bible scholars say that this particular scripture refers to the enmity between Jesus Christ and Satan. Because Jesus was the only person in history who was born without the seed of a man. So when he talks about your seed, he's referring to Jesus who did not have a seed of the man because the Holy Spirit overshadowed the mother and the seed was produced that way. So when he says your seed, he's talking about Mary and it's Jesus and Satan. But other scholars also, of one other school, Bible school of thought is that he said that this is a progressive case where the man is gradually removed. 
so that the seed is rather the woman. So you come to the house, the father is almost erased from the family. How many understand what I'm saying? And we read in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, that God was saying that, Behold, I send Elijah the prophet before the coming of that great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of what? The fathers to the sons and the heart of the sons to the fathers. Lest I bring a curse. I strike the earth with a curse. Are you with me? What he's saying that until that thing happens, there is a curse on the earth. So anytime the father is marginalized and erased from the family, what ensues is a curse. Am I making sense? So gradually, Satan's plot is working because the man's heart is being removed from the sons. And the son's heart are being removed. When I say son, I'm talking about children. The children's heart are being removed from the fathers. How many understand where, where I am so far? So, it is not something that you and I must indulge or engage in. Most women, in their frustration and their hurt and emotions, always paint the men in their lives black, whether married or unmarried. I'm trying to situate the thing, how Satan propagates this thing. And the man is quiet. Men will never ever blame the wife or the girlfriend or the mother of the children for the things that they did wrong. But how many know that in every quarrel there are two sides? Every action brings an equal and opposite reaction. But when the mothers are talking about what the the fathers have done, they remove their actions. How many understand what I'm saying? And they talk about what the father did. Are you with me? And... I, I, I am talking from today. I've been I'm, this morning. I've been very very emotional because I mean, I'm t- looking at all these things and it's, it's making me very emotional because I'm looking at my life and I look at all my family, my siblings. We hated our father. All of us hated our father because I, the picture that was painted about our dad was not a good one. And I know I am not alone. How many had that picture painted? One, two, only two, only three. Are we in church? Four. You know, as much as we love our mothers, they did not do right by us. Are you with me? As much as we love them. For instance, with me, my father left when I was 12. He left and I didn't have, he was not in the picture till I left home at the age of 18. Are you with me? But what I didn't know was that my father left income with which we were being looked after with. 
Does that make sense? But the picture was, your father doesn't care. I'm the one who has been left to struggle to look after you people. So you better do right by me. But that was not true. Because he had provided. And there was never a time that my father retorted and said, no, no, your mother is lying. Fathers never say your mother is lying. They take the blame. And so it's so easy for us to blame them. Fathers don't explain. I'm trying to get you to think today. Fathers don't explain. They would rather look bad so that mothers will look good. Because they won't talk. And so it's so easy to blame them. And the more we blame them, the more we remove their power, their authority, their voice from our, our midst. Some of us, our mothers were so cantankerous that there was no sane man would stay with them. No man in his right mind will stay with that woman. Today I want to be real. Is that okay? His fathers, at least give me that. Uh, whether if you're angry with me, I don't, I don't care. Because I don't fear you. How many understand what I'm trying to say? And see, all these things, as much as it was not intentional, no mother in their mind wanted us to become funny. But they created that environment, whether they knew what they were doing or not, Satan used them to create that environment to remove the father. Amen. And so, that curse in Genesis 3.15 now exists where the seed is now between the woman. The woman is the only one that is left at home. We have all, we are, every one of us are fond of our mothers. If I ask anyone in this room, you know, between your father and mother, which one do you like better? I'm sure the fa- mothers will get a higher percentage than fathers. How many agree with that? Yes, yes. And it's not because the mothers are good. No. It's because we were not there to know the truth. But if you were there to know the truth, you will know that it wasn't easy for any man to stay with him, with her. Where I've started the, the, the preaching is very, very... Now you're wondering how I'm going to bring it back to a nice place. Don't worry. I, I'm, I'm the pilot in charge. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Fathers, today I'm going to use Abraham as our personality study to show us the reason why God created fathers and what the purpose of a father is. And you see, it is not too late. The reason why it's not too late is because you don't have just one father. God, in his infinite wisdom, has made fathers a really race. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, we have about nine types of fathers. We have 
your biological father, who is a father. And for most of us, our biological father will play a role up to a certain point. And you have to hand the baton to somebody else. So you have your biological father, you have your substitute father. Some of us grew up with stepfathers. They are all fathers. They are substitute fathers. You grew up with, uh, uh, what do you call it, a father-in-law. You have a father in, in Christ, the one who led you to Christ, father in ministry. Uh, you know. So I am a sort of a father. Do you, do you get it? So if you don't have a father, I am your father. Because there is no one father in God gives many fathers along the way. Am I making sense? You have father in ministry, father in law, father in sin, the one who taught you how to sin, father in... <laughs> father in because the, 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 the definition of a father is the one that gives birth. Do you understand what I'm saying? The one that gives birth. So the one that gave birth to your Christian faith is a father. The one that feeds you spiritually is a father. That's why the Catholic Church calls, it doesn't matter how young or how old the person is, they call him father. Are you with me? Because they are a type of father in our lives. So today I want you to gain back the blessing if you lost it with your biological father. It doesn't mean that fathers are eradicated from your life. You can still have a blessing through a father. Am I making sense? Because God gives us substitute fathers. Some of us, our fathers were very terrible. They left. In fact, yesterday when we were doing a, uh, what do you call it? A poll, straw poll, almost 89% of us had step, step brothers and sisters. Because our fathers were gigolos. It's okay. What I don't want you to do is become People that blame everything on our fathers. People that become bitter with our fathers. People that hate our fathers. Do you know why? Because if you hate and hate and hate, you become the one they hate. I remember growing up, my brother, my immediate brother in front of me, hated my dad so much and talked so bitterly about him. Everything that didn't work in his life was because of my dad. And he, he always used to be so bitter. How many know people like that? It's not you, but you know somebody who like, hates the father, always talks bad about the father. Guess what? The other day, I was talking to his daughter. I am the legal guardian of his daughter. I look after both children. And I was talking to the, my niece. And my niece started talking so bitterly about her father. And the way she was talking reminded me of my brother and how he talked about my father. This time worse. So most of the time, what you hate, you become. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that is what Satan, that is how we propagate the curse. Hello? So he has made it in such a way that we hate and hate and hate and hate breeds hate and hate breeds hate before we realize it is going. But I see the first thing 
Abraham was called for was to be a blessing. Are you with me? He says that in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Which means that God's primary intention and purpose of a father was for a blessing rather than a curse. I don't know whether you're understanding what I'm saying. You've gone quiet on me and I, I know I took you to a, a dark place before bringing you back in, but bear with me. Hallelujah. The room went quiet. Now, how can the father be a blessing? How can Abraham become a blessing rather than a curse? You start by Abraham was called to be the foundation of our faith, isn't it? In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 12, the Bible says that. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the skies in the sky, stars in the skies, and as countless as the sun on the seashore. Amen. So God made Abraham the foundation stone on which our faith is built. How many understand that? So we are all children of Abraham if we are children of faith. Galatians chapter 3 says, Hallelujah. So, so long as we follow the faith that Abraham had, he is our founding pillar. Fathers are supposed to be the founding pillars on which a family is built. Am I making sense? Hello? How many understand what I'm saying? A father is the founding pillar on which the, found, uh, the family is built on. And in... Um, Proverbs 11, verse 3, the Bible says, if the foundations be removed or be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundation of a father is removed, what chance have we got? There's a statistic that I want us to look at. Can you put my statistics up for me? The statistics that a survey of fathers done is that, I don't know how these people have done it. Let me look at it. The statistics say that 63% of youth suicides are as a result of fatherless homes. Are you listening? 63% of suicide in children are as a result of fathers being absent. 90% of all runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of all children with behavioral disorders are from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts are from fatherless homes. 75% of all adolescent chemical abuse patients are from fatherless homes. 85 of all, percent of all youths in prison are from fatherless homes. Which means that out of every 10 children, eight and a half children that will be in prison, youth detention, Boston Institute, and all that are from homes where there was no father. 
Because the foundation, which is the father, has been removed. So you are building on the sand. So when the winds come and the rains come, what happens? The house falls. I'm saying that for all mothers, all potential mothers in the house, whatever price it pays to keep a father in the life of a child, please pay that price. Don't allow your emotions to get the better of you. To drive the child, the father of the child, away from the life of the child. Just to score points. It's a serious message today. So I'm not going to give jokes. Don't worry. Tomorrow, next week we'll talk about jokes. Is that alright? How many understand what I'm saying? And I'm also saying, challenging all of us in this room, if you want your life to be a blessing from today, reconnect with the Father. As much as life. You see, none of the fathers in this room were given a father manual, father's manual when you came. Can I say that again? Nobody in this room who is a father got a father's manual. I don't know whether. Dr. Lamte, did you get a father's manual? Me, I didn't get one. Did you? Say, are you a father? Did you get a father's manual? Dr. Sam, you are. Did you get it? Oh, you have computers and everything. You must have had a PDF copy of the father's. You see, nobody in this room had a father who had a father's manual given to them. So fatherhood is try and error. You see, mothers, women, you have practiced having children since you were babies. How many understand what I'm trying to say? So they had some practice. We were playing football and FIFA instead of practicing with children. So we didn't have the practice. I'm not making an excuse for fathers. I am just trying to say that there is room for them to make mistakes. And we should be accommodating enough. Not for them, but so that our lives will be blessed because we will have a foundation on which our lives will be built. Hallelujah. Because a home, a, a, a child being brought up without a father figure, I'm not saying just biological, because some of our biological fathers are useless, basically. It would be better if they were not even around. Let's be real. Let's get serious. But I'm trying to make you understand that the fact that your biological father may not have been who he is supposed to be doesn't mean that you are alienated from or you are supposed to be away from uh, having a father figure in your life and developing that relationship with him so that your life will be complete. Hallelujah. My blessing in life was because I went to church early. As a young 12-year-old boy, Without a father figure in my life, I had mentors, I had fathers in the church. And they actually fathered me. The difference between my life and my brother's life was that I had some people to put me in check. Become the fathers in my life. Protect me, tell me where to go, tell me what not to do and what to do. He was just a free range. And that's the only difference. 
Hallelujah. So I'm also saying for all the single mothers in the house, it's not your fault that he left. But then allow other men to father the child. Allow other men in the house of God to take that role. Hallelujah. Don't try and be the husband and the wife, the father and the mother of, of the child. That was not what you're designed for. Amen. I don't want us to be statistics. Do you, do you see the statistics? All the negative statistics that we have looked at, it means heavily on fatherless homes. Because it's a curse. A curse is something that holds you invincibly, but it holds you bound. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. It's like, Pastor Kieran, please come. Assuming I was his curse, and I'm holding him. Go, try and go. See, as much as he tries to go, he's going nowhere because what? There's a curse. Are you, are you with me? He says that until the heart of the son is turned towards the father and the heart of the father turned towards the son, there will not be a blessing in the earth. The blessing only comes when there is that heart turn and then when there's a heart turn from him, then he becomes blessed. That is why, it, you see, growing up, I always used to say to my, my kids that I'm not paid to be your friend. I'm paid to be your father. I'm not supposed to be your friend. So if I have to discipline you, I will discipline you. And I used to say to them that I'd rather whip you than the police whip you. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'd rather discipline you than leave you for the police to discipline you or the prison to discipline you. It's because I am not supposed to be your friend. I'm supposed to be your father. Stop making your children friends with you so that they will hate their father, mothers. I brought a bag of amens and hallelujahs. I don't care whether you have one or not. <laughs> you didn't like my message. You see, Abraham was chosen to be an example of our faith. Are you getting what I'm saying? How many know that what a father can do in the life of a, especially with boys, I don't care how good a mother you are, you won't be able to do it. The, the opposite is also true. What a mother can do with a girl to teach and train them, it doesn't matter what you try to do as a man. You won't be able to do it. Are you with me? That is why God has brought the two of them. And God's idea was that you do your bit and let him do his bit so that the child will be brought up. Unfortunately, there are fathers who are in the home, but they are absent. Can I talk about that one? There are some fathers, they didn't leave the house. 
But they might as well have left. Because they are most useless. They don't contribute anything to the upbringing of the child. They don't know what school the child goes to. They don't know what grade the child is in or what, what homework they, are, they get. They, they are not interested. Oh, oh, what, am I talking to somebody? They don't even know your birth date, the actual day you were born. Whether it was June or July or August, I know it was summertime, but I'm not sure what date. I know it was hot because I remember. <laughs> Statistics also say that fathers that are interested, parents that are interested in their children, their children do better. Are you with me? It doesn't matter how rich or poor they are. If they are interested in the child's life, the child always does better. If you look at sports, all the sportsmen that did well or that have done well, Father and mother were somewhere in the picture, taking them to training in the rain, in the whatever, in the snow, in the winter. They are driving them up and down. You see a lot of fathers driving their children up and down for training, for swimming and everything. The ones that have both parents in, involved in whatever the child is involved in, they do better. How many understand what I'm trying to say? The ones that don't have anybody, only a few make it. Amen. Because fathers are also chosen to teach the next generation. So the next point I want to talk about is that fathers are called to teach the next generation. In in Genesis chapter 18, verse 19, God said to that I know Abraham, that he will teach his generation or teach his children and his household after me. I know him in order that he may command his household, his children and household after him, and they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Hallelujah. So one of the cardinal fundamental duty of a father is to teach the children. Hallelujah. So fathers, let us teach our children. Don't abandon teaching them right from wrong. Relegate it to the mothers alone. Let the mothers do their bit, but let's be interested in them and do their, our bit as well. Are, are you understanding what I'm saying? Anytime, even in a school, in a school board meeting, when fathers show up, the teachers treat the child differently. How many understand what I just said? When, you see, fathers, we are so, we are chasing money, we are chasing different things, so we don't have time. When they call for PTA meeting, we don't go. We leave it for the mothers alone to go. But any, any child that has at least the father showing up occasionally to PTA meetings, they treat the child different. Hello? Especially people of our, our color. The notion is that fathers 
are an absent and don't care. A teacher asks you, do you know your dad? Because the statistics that most of the, the, the kids don't know their fathers. Have never met them before. Are not interested in them. And the fathers don't also care. When you go to America, there is a disproportionate number of black, young black men in prison than their white counterparts. And it's because there's a disproportionate number of black fathers at home. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Because the fathers are not at home, the children are in prison. And you meet any father, any young man, they have children, they don't know where the children are. are, All they are interested in is have sex with women, different women. When, when, when children come, that is not their problem. It's the woman's problem. They just move on. And that is what's created that prison statistic. The earnings of, 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 of uh, young black people are lower compared to their white counterparts. You know, Statistics also say that any home that father and mother are present, father has gone to university, mother has gone to university, 89% is the chance that the children also go to university. Because it becomes monkey see, monkey do. You teach them that this is what you do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Even without saying it, they told the line. Because it's not what you say necessarily. Is what they see you do. And statistics also say that when children observe mother and father happy at home, they also go to have happy homes. Because the example they saw was happiness. I don't know whether you understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So it is almost guaranteed that they will also go and be stable in homes and stay and have Stable families. Like I said to you, my father wasn't there. But I had Christian older mentors who were present in their homes. Teaching their children. And I became one of the children they were teaching. So the example I saw was that a man stays at home. And a man becomes a friend to his wife. And they raise their children. So I grew up. And I also learned that even though daddy left, I have to stay. I don't know whether you understand what I'm trying to say. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7, the Bible says that you shall teach the children. When you sit at home, when you walk, diligently teach your children and talk to them. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the wayside, when you lie down, when you rise up, teach them. So, mothers, let's teach our children the example. You can disagree. You can fight. But never in front of the children. Hello? You can have your disagreement. But don't let it spill over for the children. Don't use the children as trophies. To win arguments. 
How many understand what I'm trying to say? Hallelujah. Okay, let's, let me lighten it a bit because it's getting too serious, isn't it? Should I lighten it up? Next one. You, we are setting me up. I'm the one that will be sending letters to. <laughs> Hallelujah. We are chosen to leave a legacy. Romans chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but to those who have faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God and in whom he, he be, in whom he believed and God who gives life to the dead and calls the things that be not as though they are. I was just talking about the legacy of good family upbringing. When you instill it in the children, they also instill it in their children. When you instill a bad legacy of fighting, hurt, abuse, and confusion, that is the legacy they also have to pass to the next generation. Are you with me? Some of the times, the reason why we breakups come is because of selfishness. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm tired of this relationship. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this. No, no, no. You're not called to be happy in any relationship forever. And they lived happy ever after. That's in Disney movies. Are, are you understanding what I'm saying? No, 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 no. The price of being a father or being a mother is sacrifice. So sometimes, I mean, growing up, I heard this, this phrase from my grandparents and my parents. My parents were married for 54 years. So my father died. They were together for 54 years, even though he had to leave. He didn't leave because they had a problem with my mother. He left because he was a political exile. So he had to run. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? But they were married for 54 years. And I always heard this phrase, if it were not for the children, I would have been gone long ago. How many heard that one before? Am I the only one? Because our parents were taught that it doesn't matter whether you're happy in this relationship or not. You have to stay because of your children. But in this generation, if I'm not happy, I move. Make me happy or I'm gone. But today I am telling you that you are not supposed to be happy in a relationship all the time. Sometimes in a relationship, you have to take the sacrifice to keep the family. Because that's the price of being a parent. Hallelujah. How many know that some, our parents had to sell some things to take us to school? 
Do you think they wanted to sell those things? Do you think they wanted to sacrifice those things they sacrificed? But that is the price of being a father, being a mother. Some, some parents, mothers had to sell their clothes. Some had to sell land to take us to school. I know I'm preaching. Whether you're amening or not, it doesn't matter. Hallelujah. But that's the price of being a parent. So, modern day parents, please, don't be in a hurry to abandon your children because you are not happy. Nobody is, will ever make you happy forever. You know this thing? It's nice. But, listen, at a point, the niceness and the sweetness will go. What will keep you here is a covenant. That's why they say, for better, for worse. Till death do us part, we are in this forever. One day I had a serious meeting with my wife. I said to her, from today, if anybody will be angry and upset in this home, it won't be me. If anybody will leave, it won't be me. That was the end of the meeting. I'm in it for life. I'm going nowhere. If you pack that you are going, I'm following you. <laughs> a man, a man got, a, a, a woman got angry with her husband and then she started packing her things. She said, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. The husband, started, the husband took God the suitcase started packing his things. Then when the woman finished and the man also finished, he said, he came to her and said, where are we going? <laughs> Wherever you are going, we are going there together. You think you are going to leave me in this house alone? No way. Hallelujah. We are called to pay the price. How many know that foundations carry the, sto- the, the whole house and they never complain? How many know that it's not easy carrying the house? I read somewhere, a caption yesterday or the, the day before. He says that when it's the child's birthday, daddy, take us out. When it's mommy's birthday, daddy, take us out. When it is uh, uh, daddy, uh, daddy's birthday, daddy, take us out. It doesn't matter whose birthday it is. Daddy, take us out. Because you are the foundation. You, we are supposed to put all our weight on you. And you don't have to complain. <laughs> don't start any family problems for me. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying? Please. It may be that father has left. It may be that you never saw father. You don't know who father is. It's okay. Today, I'm giving you a new father. I said, today, I'm giving you a new father. I am your father. Don't worry about anything. Bring all the things. Your things. I have a big enough heart to, to receive it. Hallelujah. 
Don't bring me your bills, though. <laughs> Fathers is not just giving you money. One thing I always say to people who come home, from today I want you to be my father. I say to them, before we sign this contract, I'll promise you one thing. I will not always say what you want to hear. But I guarantee that I'll tell you the truth. And if you agree, the second thing I'll say to you is that I'm not paid to be your friend. I am paid to be your father. So allow me to be your father. A lot of people, when you have somebody who is not your father, the day the rubber hits the road and I'm trying to scold you, say, after all, you're not my father. I don't want to hear that one. So if you're going to sign the contract, this is how we are going to sign the contract. If you, if you don't want me to bring my cane, then you don't want me. Because I don't care how old you are, I'll bring my cane. When I say I, do, I bring my cane, I don't mean physical. I don't, I don't beat. <laughs> but I know how to yes. deal with you. By the time I finish, you feel like you have been beaten. It's more than a cane. I, believe you me. Hallelujah. A father is supposed to be a protector. There are three, five P's. Can I give you the five P's? Then we close with that. The first P that fathers are chosen to do is to protect. Abraham was a protector. When Lot went into, uh, ex, uh, was taken as a slave, he got his, his servant as into an army to protect Lot. Amen. Number two. It's supposed to be a provider. Fathers provide. Did you hear what I said, fathers? How many fathers do I have? How many potential fathers do I have? Yeah, be a provider. Which means that plan from now. Plan from now. Because you'll be providing for somebody. Are you with me? Yeah. So plan ahead. From now, start saving. Hallelujah. Because you have to provide discipline. You have to provide resources. You have to provide direction. You have to provide encouragement. You have to provide love. You have to provide, you know, shelter. You have to provide anything that needs provision. You have to provide. Number three. You have to be a prophet. One of the things that modern day fathers don't know how to do is to prophesy into the lives of their children. I don't care how unbeliever your father is. He's still a prophet over your life. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. The day I learned this particular truth. My father was 81, going on 82. I took my wife and my two children, flew them to Africa for my father to bless them. When I got there, my father put my daughter on his left and my son on his right and prayed over them and blessed them. That was the last time I saw my father. But I'm glad that at least I got him 
to prophesy into the lives of my children. Because a father is a prophet. Hallelujah. Learn to prophesy over your children. As fathers, learn to lay hands on your children and pray. See, when the jokers are asleep, take an olive oil. Lay hands on them. And prophesy greatness into their lives. Hallelujah. Speak into their lives. Because whatever, you see, anybody, my, anything my father said about any of the, his sons in anger, I have seen it happen in them. You shall never amount to anything. Truly, you will not amount to anything. Because the owner of the thing is the one that can decide where to put it. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. If I own this bottle and I decide that I want this bottle here, where do you think the bottle will go? Exactly. So if he's, you are his seat, what he says into your life will happen. That is why the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, honor your father and mother in the Lord. This is the first promise, with, the commandment with promise. That it may be well with you. That you may live long on this earth. Because when they speak into your life, it will happen. Today after church, if your father is alive, pick the phone call. And pick the phone and call them and honor them. Honor is not because they were good. Honor is not because they have been, they've done right by you. Honor is a command. It says that go and honor them. It is right in the sight of the Lord. Hallelujah. If my father were alive today, it would have been easy to honor him. Are you getting it? But if your father is alive, don't wait till he's dead. Pick the phone. Call them. Send them money. And ask them to pray over your life. And prophesy over your life. And I guarantee you, whatever they say will happen. Hallelujah. Number, number four, quickly, let's finish. Number four. If he's a promoter, Father, so he, the first one is what? Number two is what? Number three is what? Number four. Number five. He's also a priest of the home. Ask the priest, take them to church. Statistics says that any father who is present in church all the time guarantees 65 to 70% that their children will also stay in church. When the mother is in church, it, the, 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 the statistics falls. When the mother is in, ch- in church, you only get a child up to about the age of 12, 13, and they'll disappear. But when mother and father are in church together, you almost guarantee that they will stay. Are you with me? So fathers, I challenge you 
to, pre, to, to shepherd them. A priest is a shepherd. Don't leave them at home and come to church. They are coming to church. They are on their PlayStation and it's okay. No, you are the priest. Command them to the house of God. Are you, are you understanding what I'm saying? I mean, we, that dis- we never had that discussion because we had it only once. So long as you live under my roof, when I'm going to church, you go to church. If you don't go to church, you don't live under my roof. Simples. <laughs> had that conversation only once. We've never had it before. Again. Don't look at me that way. I'm not a stand father. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a stand father at all. But I will give you the reasons why you are better off in the house of God than anywhere else. Yesterday, Pastor Kwabna was saying that it doesn't matter how hot the ark was. The ark was better than out there. Because out there, it's flat everywhere. If you jump, you are dead. When we started this church, we started the CTU. We had about, how many were there? Impact. There are about eight children. Out of the eight, I think about, they had about three girls and five boys. The boys whose parents did not want them to stay in impact. Some ended in prison. Some are drug dealers. They all started here. They all of them. They used to be here. Every Friday, they will come play in the church. They will, they will be taught. They will, they will preach to them. They will play instruments and everything. Sometimes when they are uh, playing instruments and preaching, their fathers will be angry, mothers will be angry standing outside that they want their children to go home. The ones that got angry and took the children from here, they went straight to the streets. Come drag at it. The ones that stayed have become pastors. <laughs> I don't know whether you've seen Kevin. Kevin comes a big tall guy. He used to be here. The ones that stayed. Hallelujah. Uh, one of the girls that came. Uh, what do you call those people? The Satanist, is it? Satanist Ponster. Yeah. One of them from here, from here. It's a Satanist Ponster. Because the mother got angry and took her out of this place. So, fathers in the house, please insist that your children remain here. Hallelujah. Have I given the five peace? Stand to your feet. Let's go home.